0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Word Podcast. I am your host, along with my wife, Star Petrie, as she is uh, doing the... She's a woman producer. (laughs) No. No. Everything worked fine in the (laughs) run-through. Going live is always
1: a totally different thing. It's all good,
0: though. It is all good. It's all good. We're just so thankful you guys are here. We're so glad that you're joining us. Uh, for this uh, midday time in the Word of God, time in the presence of the Lord, and uh, joining with us, not only our church family, but all of you who follow us on our social media uh, platforms. And to uh, go ahead and plug that, actually, if you are following us on YouTube and you have not clicked subscribe or hit the notification bell, we'd like to ask that you do so. If you've listened to these podcasts, you listen to us, or follow us on Sunday mornings and on Wednesdays during Wednesday night Bible study, uh, go ahead and click that subscribe button. We're I think we're roughly around seven hundred and sixty-five subscribers. We really and growing and growing. Yeah, we never really did anything with our YouTube at all uh, for a very very long time. So to see it starting to grow somewhat organically is just really a blessing. So help us get to a thousand, man. And find those seven sixty-five and tell them to find seven hundred more. Amen. But we're just thankful that you're here. If you're joining us on Facebook, uh, we're thankful that you're here as well, as well as on Rumble, I believe it is. Yes. And so we thank God for you, and um, we are blessed to have you joining us. I don't want to belabor the time um, today, because I realize we're in the middle of the day, and you may be joining us on your lunch break or something or other. Um, But what I have to share with you today, I think, is vitally important. And um, it's one of those things that I feel like are prophetic, I believe it's something that is consistent with the times in which we live from the Word of God. And I was impressed to to talk about this today because it means a lot that you and I stay anchored and solid during the times in which we live. Amen. I mean, we are in very, very volatile, very, very um, transient mm-hmm. times. And so it behooves us as children of God to make sure that our anchor holds, amen? And so I want to draw your attention to one verse of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. And uh, we're going to camp out here and have a discussion about this. Uh, this is something that you and I talk about, of course, oftentimes, and um, we discuss this a lot in our own home uh, as pastors of a church. It's, be, it's a really big deal for us as pastors because you're pastoring and you're responsible for people, and you have to provide spiritually for them so that they're able to live stable lives. One of the things about the anointing and the grace on a pastor is that a pastor creates stability. Mm. He creates a certain level of, of uh, roots in people. Uh, you, can, you can have the teacher, the apostle. The apostle, he's a, he's a traveling ministry. So the apostle many times founds a work, grounds a work, is sent to a place that is very rarely reached Sometimes they're sent to remote regions that the gospel has never ever been in, um, but they establish churches, they ground people, and then they generally move on. The teacher is a traveling ministry as well, of course, the evangelist, but and the prophet also. Um, but when it comes to the pastor, he is someone set down in a community of of people, mm-hmm. and he is anointed or she is anointed by God to bring uh, grounding. Amen. and founding to solidify the believer. And I'm telling you, without it, oh my God, without the local church, the backbone of the of the ministry, I'm telling you, we would be in a lot of trouble. And Jesus knew that, so he gave us all of these gifts, and all of them are necessary for the perfecting, the maturation of the church. And so we want to do our part here today as pastors, and I want to ground you in something that I think is vitally important. 1 Timothy chapter number 4 Verse number one says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some... Thank God it didn't say all. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You're like, what, me, Lord? No, no, no. It <laughs> says that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now this verse of Scripture is so I mean, just reading it in the King James Version here on its face is enough. But let's take some time to unpack this. Notice the first thing in this verse. The Spirit speaketh. Hmm. This is not clever... Uh, writing by Paul. This is not Paul saying he feels like he's going to share this with you or there's something he has as a revelation. No. Not conjecture. No, okay. this is not conjecture. This is not happenstance. It says, The Spirit speaketh, not only does He speak, but speaks expressly. Now, when you look at these words in the Greek language, this word expressly means distinctly, it means absolutely, it means without equivocation, without doubt, take it to the bank. You can lean on it, depend on it. It's going to happen. And as a matter of fact, you can't even pray it away. There can be no intercessory prayer to stop this. Mm-hmm. There is no, there's no way to turn this around. There's no way to uh, stop this from happening. Now, as the church, we can stand in the gap and pray for our loved ones and, and, and people that are close to us, and we can't have an impact in that regard. But the Scripture here says some are going to do it. And they're going to do it because the spirit said expressly they're going to do it, and so this is going to. I like to say it this way: the Word of God gives us promises. It's also it it doubles as a history book as well. Gives us history. It also gives us a diagnosis of times and seasons. So when when you ha- when you come across a verse of scripture like this, it's telling you the type of season and the type of. Uh, to use a big word, but it, it's it's not really a big word when you understand it. The zeitgeist, really. Ooh, that was fancy. The, fancy. It, yeah, but it it's a it's a word that's really relevant to us mm-hmm. today. the The overall spirit of the times, the mood, the mindset, the the, the temperament of our age, right? Absolutely. And he's telling us the spirit is telling us that in the latter times, this is what's going to be afoot, <laughs> and and you're going to have to go ahead and brace yourself for it. And you're going to have to understand that as a believer, you're going to be walking out your faith in this environment. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have the privilege of walking out your faith in a different environment. You're going to have to learn how to stand and be anchored in the environment that the Spirit says is going to be in the last days. And of course, we could go to to Peter and and Timothy and we could put all these things together and it gives us a real, real uh, good diagnosis of our times. But here it says, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, now the word latter times means the end, you could it means the end of time or the latter end. You could say that a Saturday could be considered the end time in terms of a week because mm-hmm. it's the end of the week. Mm-hmm. So the Spirit is, is pinpointing that when we get to the end of our age, the end of our time, the end of man's dispensation, when you get to that latter end part, This is what you're going to experience. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, this requires a little unpacking here, because this verse does not say they're going to reject the faith. No, It doesn't say people will say, oh, that's nothing, and turn their back on it and completely reject it and say, no, the Bible isn't true or or God isn't real that's there's enough of that <laughs> we know but here this this some shall depart from the faith when you look at this in the greek it means that they will actually stand uh, at a distance or they'll stand off from the faith mm-hmm. giving heed or turning their attention toward seducing spirits and this is where the conversation uh, turns here and this is what this is the focus and this is why we titled this what we titled it because that word seducing, of course, if you look at it on its face, you're thinking of seduction in the way in which we define it on a daily basis. Right. But it actually means, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read this Greek word to you. It's the Greek word planos, or planos. And it's a very powerful word. It means roving. It means wandering. Mm-hmm. It means to be um, a vagabond. Mm-hmm. It means to be somewhat of a nomad, homeless. if you would. So when it's talking about seducing spirits, it's not just talking about, uh, of course, the seduction that is involved from the enemy. Whenever the devil's doing anything, he's seductive. But it's talking about a roving, wandering spirit, or becoming a roving, a wandering person. So when when you plug all this into this text, like I said, that is so pregnant, so full, You're seeing what the Spirit is telling us distinctly and expressly and absolutely, that in the end of time, in the latter time, some will depart from the faith, they'll distance themselves from the faith, giving heed to wandering. Mm -hmm. That means they'll distance themselves from fidelity to God, fidelity to the text, fidelity to the Word, and begin to open themselves up to other doctrines. Now notice it says doctrines of devils. And whenever we hear the word or see the word doctrine, we have this tendency to think of religion. <laughs> right? When people hear, when you hear the word doctrine, we think, oh, uh, so are you talking about Buddhism, Hinduism? Are you talking about Islam? Are you talk-? People think of a religious doctrine. Mm-hmm. But no, the word doctrine just means teaching. It just means a teaching. Uh, anything, is a, anything that is a teaching that requires adherence to is a doctrine. Mm-hmm. Critical race theory is a doctrine, right? Absolutely. This form of radical feminism is a doctrine. Um, this idea of being woke, wokeism as we're calling it, is a doctrine. You could even say, and I don't think I'm false in saying this, the idea, it's considered a package as an idea of cancel culture, is a doctrine. Mm-hmm. It's something you have to adhere to. It requires a certain amount of of loyalty that this is what you should do. This is how you should respond. It has its own orthodoxy, if you would. And so when it's talking about doctrine, we have to learn to expand our thinking. That We're not just talking about religion. We're not just talking about religious ideas. We're not just talking about, oh, what somebody preaches in a mosque or a mausoleum somewhere that counters Jesus and what we know about Christianity. No, we're talking about any wind of teaching any wind of doctrine that requires adherence. And so we see here, when Paul, when Paul is writing this to Timothy, he's telling him, you're going to be a pastor, man, and you're going to pastor in a time. And he says, and the Spirit speaks expressly, that there are going to be some people who are going to distance themselves from fidelity to the Word, so so solo fidelity, right? That absolute, that God's Word is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. They're not going to deny him not going to reject it, they're just going to begin to loosen their grip on it and give heed to wondering, give heed to, to entertaining other ideas. And so this is where you get into something that I know my brother you know, has been talking about a lot, Pastor Isaac Petrie, mm-hmm. in his teachings and in his time, this syncretism. And you get this syncretism because we're wondering. You get this syncretism because of this seducing spirit, this wandering, roving, where people are kind of looking for, they're, they're piecemealing their faith. Yeah. They're kind of looking for things to kind of plug into places where the faith doesn't give them wiggle room. <laughs> you know, and one of the things I've learned is that we won't wiggle room when we want to wiggle, Right. <laughs> That's just the, this is the truth of it. We 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 want we want something that appeals to us that gives us the freedom to express some of the things that are in us that we feel like are kind of um, that Christianity kind of suppresses, um, and, and it's important. See, because you have to understand the importance of being rooted, grounded. Anchored. Now, when you say these words today, even in, in modern Christianity, anything you say to people that seems to require of them accountability, that seems to require of them rooting, grounding, consistency, they view as oppressive, yeah. supp- suppressive. Um, it's like you're holding me down you're keeping me from, you're not allowing me to be, that's constrictive, that's restrictive. So any, anything like that, anything that you say to people that speaks of anchoring, grounding, rooting, people feel almost as though uh, you're restricting me. You see, that's, that's the roving planos. That's, that's the seducing spirit of our age, mm-hmm. because we want to be free to wonder. <laughs> we want, we want to be free to rove we we want to be free to move around we want to be free to e- experiment we want to be free to explore uh as though truth is something you can never really arrive at, mm-hmm. right? It's like truth can't really be it's found. so malleable. For yeah, it's a constant journey. Mm-hmm. It's a constant evolution. We hear that word used a lot, to evolve. It's a constant chasing and a constant thing we're after. Jesus said, no, you shall know the truth.
1: Yeah.
0: Jesus defined truth as something apprehendable. Now hear me, child of God. Now, I'm, I'm filling my, my oats here because I get really, really stirred in my spirit about these things because this is the work of Satan uh, from beginning to end. Jesus defined truth as something that could be apprehended. You can arrive at truth. You can obtain truth. You can have, and once you have it, once you've arrived at it, mm-hmm. there's nowhere else to go. There's just adherence to the truth. But now seducing spirits come along and say, well, you can't really know it, and we're always evolving, and we've got to always be considering. We've got to always be open-minded. We've got to always be open to hear, open to see, exactly, roomy. We've got to always be accommodating. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is, is that much of the body of Christ in our modern times, we've been overly accommodating. And child of God, the moment you show the devil that you're willing to move some stuff around to make room for him, he is about to take over the whole house. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be anchored. We have to be solid. And uh, it, there's this saying I, I, I use a lot of times, and, and then, of course, sweetheart, you can jump in and, and share what, uh, what you have, that once you pull up anchor, you know if you've ever been on a boat, Mm-hmm. Out in the, a large body of water, once you pull up anchor and there's really a wind blowing and there are waves. Once you pull up that anchor, you can't control how far you drift. Yeah, you're just going to drift. And the, once you pull up anchor from God's word and pull up anchor from being solely loyal to His word as truth, you drift on everything.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you
0: do. You'll drift on everything. Everything. It's only a matter of time before everything is under question. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's the truth. It's the anchor. Yeah. You've pulled it up, and you've decided, well, I, I want to, you know, I, I would like to explore this over here and listen to that over there. And before you know it, you've pulled up anchor on everything. <laughs> you've pulled up anchor on yourself. You've pulled up anchor on family. You've pulled up anchor on every facet of life, and that's what you see, don't we? Yeah. Isn't that what we we see a culture that is completely adrift on every subject under the sun. We, we, we are like that ship. <laughs> we're we on the waves. We don't have an anchor, and we're all over the place. We don't know what we are. If We don't know what a man is. We don't know what a woman is. We don't know what the church's role is. We don't know what truth is. We don't understand the relations we should have amongst us as races. We don't understand the role of politics. We don't understand our role in the world. We don't understand or we don't stand under anything. <laughs> we're constantly... Trying to evolve, and and, and and we know it, and so there's a lack of courage in our day. So we're kind of, uh, we don't want to talk about it, and people are kind of not wanting to broach this subject. But we have to talk about it because Paul, by the Holy Ghost, pinned this and said, The Spirit told us this is going to be the environment you're going to be in. And so we have to be anchored. And it goes on to say, and I won't uh, belabor the time on this point, but Uh, Paul goes on to say to Timothy in verse 6 of this same chapter, just a few few doors down from verse 1, he says, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast Mm attained. So he says, if you want to be a good minister, Timothy, put the people of God, put the brethren in remembrance of these things. And so this is what I'm attempting to do here today, to put you in remembrance of the environment that you are walking with God in, to put you in remembrance that you don't have the luxury of not having to deal with this seductive age and the seduction that is afoot in the culture. Uh, today. And so, sweetheart, I want you to, to go no, ahead, I mean, I'll just preach to, forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no.
1: Amen to all of that. I think what's interesting, just like you said, is the idea that it's two parts, right? It's the isolation of the individual out of the church, really, and out of the fold, mm. and then it's the giving heed to, which is to seed some ground of mind, right? For, for those doctrines, those those teachings to take hold in one's mind. And it makes it easier obviously if you're completely disconnected. That's that that <laughs> if, you, if you if so. you saw all throughout what was that 2020 with COVID, it was it was fear, it was trepidation, mm-hmm. it was uncertainty, it was, I'm just gonna be honest, it was Black Lives Matter out in the streets, it was riots and people are like, what in the world? Mm-hmm is going on. Oh yeah. And suddenly everyone feels as though we have to make those accommodations, right? We have to give room to this idea that I have to be I have to be overly nice and sensitive to your uh, destructiveness because mm-hmm. I'm of a particular race, right? Or mm-hmm. of a particular persuasion. I have to be overly nice. I have to be overly accommodating because you choose to wake up in the morning and you feel like you're not who wow. God says that you are. Suddenly, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, these things start to take hold, but they're easier to digest and they can they can find themselves in a place of comfort because we're isolated mm. because we're not. I mean, There's most, no
0: community. There's no community of believers. Faith. No. Thinking the same. Absolutely. thing, Minding the same no. thing. No.
1: Yeah. And so I, I want to jump really quickly to James 3. Mm-hmm. And this is James 3 and 13, because I think this is interesting, because once we get into isolation, you start thinking about what? yourself.
0: Yo-yo.
1: <laughs> right? It becomes all about your survival and the preeminence of you, the person.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, in 13, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Mm. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. Right? He's saying that's not wisdom. Mm. So when you get alone by yourself and you start thinking about those things that make your flesh feel good, that make you... Uh, feel affirmed and right, woe to you, right? Be very careful because those things are not true. And he says, this wisdom does not descend from above. It's earthly. It's sensual. It's demonic. Mm. Where there's envy and self-seeking, confusion and every evil thing are there. And Mm. so that's what we're seeing in our culture, right? There's confusion and every evil work underneath the sun. Things that we never thought we would be discussing. We're having to have real, like, What are we talking about? I mean, of course you're, of course, of course you're, what are we talking about here? And we're having these conversations and actually having to give like real credit or or room to the idea that the, that people have come up with. And like I said, when people are isolated, it's much easier to digest those things. And that is why closing churches for two years was just, I mean, brilliant. The enemy was like, this is brilliant. Yeah. I'm going to close these churches. I'm going to shut them down. And I'm going to leave people out there on their own.
0: And there, and, and social media wasn't a, a great supplement for it because even though people were going live online and everything, but it was it caters to the wondering. Oh, absolutely. Because you kind of... Um,
1: eat from every table.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a buffet. It's a buffet. You just kind of... And you, you eat... End up eating things sometimes that aren't good, that aren't God. (laughs) You you just kind of go all over the place. And uh, one of the things that jumps out at me when you were reading that in James is it says, This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, Mm -hmm. natural, devilish. So it is a wisdom but it doesn't come from God. No. Right? And, and this, is, this, is, this fits really nicely right into what Paul was telling Timothy about doctrines. Yes. So we're talking about teachings. We're talking about things that masquerade as wisdom, things that masquerade as enlightenment. Uh, one of the things that the church has got to come to grips with and understand is when Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, he talks about Satan transforming himself into an angel of light and talking about, so don't be uh, thinking not strange that his ministers do the same thing, you know, masquerade as, as something that they're not. Because Satan is always masquerading. Hear me now. He always masquerades as enlightenment. Yes. Satan always masquerades as enlightenment, he always shows up like it's an aha. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He wants you to feel as though he is turning the light on in your head because it's his form of mimicry. He mimics what the Father does because revelation knowledge is light. God's truth is light. And so he loves to mimic what the Father does, but it's always catering to what is sensual. Mm -hmm. It's always catering to what is earthly it's always catering to what is carnal. It's never lifting you into the character of Christ. It's always catering to the base appetites of our nature.
1: Those personal passions of <laughs> it's, ours.
0: It's, catering, mm-hmm. oh, it's always catering to some form of competition, comparison, gain, want, uh, envy, strife, like it says, envy and strife to get from someone else, to get this from somebody else. This person owes me this, that person owes me that, that type of enlightenment, any enlightenment that causes you to fly at your brother's throat is sensual, (laughs) earthly, and devilish. And so we have to, we have to, as the children of God, have some, have some godly wisdom about this to understand the importance of it. One of the things that I, I go back to and, um, I think it's, uh, Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 11, but it, it comes from uh, Genesis chapter 3 when, when Satan, of course, uh, deceived Eve. Um, and you uh, it, see the 1st or 2nd Corinthians 11, but he's talking about, he's talking to the church at Corinth, and he's talking about them being espoused to one, one Lord. He wants to present them as a chaste virgin. He doesn't want them defiled. And he's saying that to the church at Corinth and how he's jealous over them. And he says, lest that as Satan beguiled Eve, mm-hmm. you should be beguiled from the simplicity that you have in Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so when you look at what Satan did to Eve, he shows up to Eve, and he convinces Eve that in some way, shape, or form, God's commandment to her is restricting her. Mm-hmm. He says to her, oh, he knows that the moment you eat of this, you're going to be like God, and you're going to know good and evil. So he presents to her something she's going to gain. Once again, masquerading as enlightenment. Mm-hmm. You're going to get something out of this girl. If you eat that, you, you're going to gain from this. And And God knows he's holding out on you, mm-hmm. see. And, and what he's told you is keeping you from something real good. It's keeping you from something that's going to allow you to have a higher level of knowledge and a higher expression of self. So when she looked at it and she said, it's a tree to be desired to make one wise. Oh my goodness, I'm going to be wiser if I eat this. I'm going to be freer if I do this. I'm going to be more myself if I believe this. I'm going to really discover who I am. You see, everything kind of appeals to this this self-illumination, this self-aggrandizement. It's very sneaky. But the philosophies, the teachings, the doctrines of devils always cater to what is earthly, sensual, and, and, and fleshy. And trying to get us to feel as though we're going to gain out of something. And so he comes along with these doctrines, these winds of teaching in our day. And the spirit speaks expressly that if you open yourself up to it, if you turn loose your grip from the truth of God's word and kind of open yourself to wonder, he's going to move you into these doctrines. And this is what we're seeing taught in our churches, this is what we're seeing preached on our airwaves. This is why you see such a an explosion of voices. Yeah. Also, an explosion of voices and it's and it's sad because the the prophetic is a given is a god-given divine divinely empowered gift to the church. Absolutely. The prophet's office is real, okay? The prophetic is real. But I find it very interesting that Satan likes he wants to use the prophetic to sneak in a whole lot of winds of teaching. <laughs> right? Because the prophetic is that thing that is spoken by inspiration. So Satan loves once again to masquerade as a as enlightenment. So he wants to house himself In the prophetic, he likes to house himself under the covering of what is prophetic or the prophet because there he can masquerade as illumination, revelation, enlightenment, inspiration. When it's sensual, it's earthly, it's divisive, and it causes problems, and it splinters the body, and it splinters the church. Well, God doesn't splinter. God doesn't divide. He's not the author of confusion. So we know that that's not the wind of the spirit behind this stuff. It is the foul wind of Satan, right? And so, but he likes to house there because it's a real nice place to cover. And that's why we have to make sure that we are making sure that we're judging things and we're not just following in line behind every little thing everybody's saying. And so there's been this explosion of voices, just, I mean, on every single medium you can imagine. But many of these voices are causing division. And they're growing to an e- just an innumerable amount. Because in that multitude of voices, it becomes even more difficult for the wandering mind to distinguish between truth and error.
1: Yes. yes. You
0: see? You see, it's it's a very evil plan of the enemy that he does and he does it quite well. I mean, you just have to tip your hat to Satan sometimes that he does these things quite well because the church can sometimes have a very outdated perspective of Satan. Mm-hmm. And that when we think of the devil, we think of horns, we think of pitchforks, we think of some kind of gargoyle type figure yeah. with 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 fangs and a like like that's evil. No, no. We're talking about wicked intelligence. We're talking about uh, we're talking about genius that is sinister. We're we're talking about someone in which we deal with ideologies, thoughts, imaginations, arguments, theories. Satan works in that realm. He is a he is the epitome of an intellectual. The epitome of it. Now, of course, there are entities in the kingdom of darkness that do the ugly things, the perversion, the destruction of life, the, the demoralizing of a human being. But Satan works very heavily in the theoretical realm. He is always talking to the head.
1: Can I just say, though, I think the importance and why God puts such an emphasis on the local church is mm. because just like Paul says down here in, in chapter four, a little bit further down, he tells Tim- Timothy, hey, reject profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. hmm. And in the local body, when you're actually planted yeah. and rooted you have to exercise the word that you receive, right? You digest the word, but now you got to sit in there and you actually got to do it. Amen. And you got people around you that you have to, you know, talk to and and, uh, exchange with, you know, you help and serve with. And now I have to actually practice what love looks like, what patience looks like, what forgiveness looks like. Amen. But when I wonder, well, then I can just get up anytime I'm offended. I'll leave your table, go eat at somebody else's table. And it leads to being slothful. It leads to being touchy and fretful and Mm. resentful. It leads to me being so sensitive that I can't really receive anything else. So if it's not of my own machination, I don't even want it. right? Because I get to the point now where I am the purveyor of all things that are true, (laughs) right, and good. That's so true, though. Because I've eaten from so many tables. So I've taken a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I put it in a pot, stirred it up, and said, oh, yeah, I like that. I'm going to add a little bit of me, and I'm good. Mm. But when you're in a local body and you're submitted to the leadership, and to Mm. the call of the house, totally different thing. Because now God has me actually exercising and lifting that weight of love. And I'm like, I'm getting a little tired, Lord, of this love. But he's like, nah, you keep lifting because you need that, right? You keep lifting patience because you need that. And so I think that's really the difference. I'm becoming more
0: like him. I
1: become more like him. But I have to actually, it's the practice, right? It's not theory, I mean in theory mm. in theory, what's not it's not I mean, theory it's <laughs> but it's practice, and that's exactly. the part that trips us up. It's the practice
0: and and isn't that the thing you know because knowledge the tendency of knowledge is to puff up
1: oh yes,
0: that's Bible
1: absolutely the
0: tendency of knowledge is to make one and it can puff you up to the point you think because you know it, you do it,
1: yes. Oh, absolutely. Like
0: like, like knowing is doing. <laughs> if, like being well-read means you've really accomplished you've really something. really done something. No, you've just read a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't really. It's the doing it's that changes life. It's the doing. It's the application. that That's where Christianity, that's where the rubber meets the road of faith. Mm-hmm. It's the doing.
1: And he tells us that right? you have to exercise yourself toward godliness. Yes. Which means that if you're not doing it, mm it doesn't matter what you've heard or what you receive or exercise. what you thought you oh lord it was so good mm-hmm. you have to exercise yourself toward that
0: man and that's work and that is that's W-O-R-K. doing ork that's doing the work yeah. and this is and this is what we have to recognize and and I I'll say this and then we can go ahead and start to close here one of the ways and we've been on this for a while and i and and i it, you know i would be remiss if i didn't touch on it again talking about this ability to discern in our day. Mm. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart out of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. We know what the Scripture talks about. Those that that use milk are unskillful in the word of righteousness, but strong meat belongs to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And the Spirit of God, when I was reading that verse, the Spirit of God spoke to me to make sure that I talked our congregation, discernment is developed in the doers. Mm -hmm. Discernment comes from doing the Word. It -hmm. does not come from reading it. It does not come from preaching it. It does not come from knowing it. It does Mm -hmm. not come from Post-it notes. And I I stick up Post-it notes like everybody else So don't don't think I'm I'm being uh, condescending about that it's it's not that but that's not it it is the doing because it is in the exercising of faith in action on the word of god i know mm-hmm. that i begin to develop a deeper understanding and relationship and insight into that word yeah. and that is what is necessary to discern between it and something false absolutely you're not going to be able to identify the false if you are not acquainted with the real. Hmm. And the only way you become deeply acquainted with the real, the truth of who Christ is in this word, is you have to do it. You have to do it. If you stand off and just be a reader only and a hearer only, and you stand on the outside of the word and kind of just Oh, that's so wonderful. Oh, you get a few chill bumps here and there. <laughs> but you don't ever get into the operation of doing application daily. Mm-hmm. That I walk into my house and I love my wife the way the Bible tells me. I'm going to do that. Oh, yeah, the flesh is going to throw a fit. But that's what you're supposed to do, right? You, you want it to because that lets you know you had it in the right direction. Right. I'm going to treat my children the way... The Spirit of God leads and the Word tells me. I'm going to take my finances and I'm going to act on the Word of God with them. I'm going to pastor the church the way the Word of God tells me. I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach the Word the way the Word of God tells me. I'm going to live my life by the illumination of the Scripture that the Holy Spirit gives. And I'm going to walk in that. Now, when I start doing that, I become so acquainted with truth. Error has very little room. Right? right. But if I don't ever do it, then I never get proof of the word. I never I never prove out the word. So therefore, anything that comes down the pipe can blow me off course anytime time yes. because I have no anchor, because I drop anchor when I do it. Yeah, I don't drop anchor when I hear it. I drop anchor when I do it. Amen. Amen. And man, and it's, it's time. It's, it's time for the children of God to understand. We don't need anything new. You don't need a new revelation. You don't need new teaching. You don't need to hear another voice. You, don't, you need to take what you have and drop anchor. Amen. Do the word of God because you are in an age, you're in an environment, you're in a time and in a culture that is full of seduction. It is full of roving and wandering and that word that is so important, accommodating to all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you that is a word from heaven right there. That word accommodating because that is what we have become. Hmm. And through our we've kind of elevated accommodation to being a virtue. Yes. Like it's, it's a, righteousness. Like it's a righteous <laughs> virtue that we have but you you don't you don't accommodate everything. No, you do not. You don't make room for everything. You don't do that in the natural, in your own life. No, you don't. You sure don't do it in spiritual things. You don't become accommodating to everything because that's going to lead you down a road. I'm telling you that Satan will never stop. He'll never stop reeling you in. He'll Mm -hmm. just keep on reeling and keep on reeling until he pulls you out to where you are not stable or stabilized about anything, including the things that you once held dear and true to. And so, child of God, take this word, hear what we're saying to you by the Spirit of God from the Word of God concerning the age in which you live. Understand, hear me, understand the importance. If you don't have a church body you belong to, and yes, this is the pastor in me talking without any apology, because it's it's true, and this is love talking to you. If you don't have a church home, find a pastor. Find a church home, a community of faith and believers that you can get connected to, get in, become a part, start serving, start listening, start hearing, start growing, start exercising your faith unto godliness in that house because you need it. It is not going to be restrictive. It's not going to be oppressive. It's going to set you on course to receive the best that God has for you. And I just want to admonish everybody listening to me about this because this is so important. There's too much wandering. There is mm-hmm. too much roving. There's too much nomadic. Uh, we're just nomads. We're just, we're just all over the place. We're, we're, we're going all over. And I'm not just talking about people in the pew. Pu- I'm talking about even ministers. Preachers of the gospel are very nomadic. They don't know where they are. They don't know where they, where they fit. Where they, and people say, well, maybe I'm just a misfit. No, that, you are not a misfit. Nobody's a misfit. He sets us in the body as it pleases him. No, There is no such thing as a misfit in God's body. No. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a place. Now, maybe you haven't come to grips with who you are. Maybe you're still wrestling with, the, with really what God has called you to do. That's really what being a misfit is. You're wrestling. You're wrestling with what you're kicking against the pricks. And it's hard. And you haven't yet accepted who he called you to be. And so that makes you feel like you're displaced and, you're, uh, and you're, you're, you're out on the ocean and you don't know where you're going. No, you've got to accept the place God gave you because that's the place where you're going to flourish the most. You're going to be the most, uh, man, the most effective. You're going to be the, the happiest, the most fulfilled. He is not trying to restrict you from anything. He's trying to give you the kingdom. He's not trying to keep it from you. Amen? Amen? And I just want to encourage you with that word. I want to admonish those that are hearing with that word because I believe it is a timely word for the season and the environment in which we live. Child of God, I love you. And until the next time, God bless you. Be blessed. Don't wonder.